day and age where you can specialize in a field and know everything about that field and not know Jesus. And even though you know a lot, you actually don't know the most important things. So in all of our learning, we need to learn from the shepherd the most. And you can be extraordinarily well-read on whatever your giftings and your passion is, but make sure that you know more about Jesus than that. So if you're a guy here and you can quote all the lines of the, of the blazers or the timbers or whoever more than you can quote scripture, then you are out of balance. I'll truly be happy if you fill in the blank. Each of us has had this thought at one time or another, that as believers, we should cast that attitude aside. Thinking that there's something we're lacking and we should go get means we don't trust in God's provision. Pastor Daniel will take us through reasons why we need to obey God's word and how trusting him leads to a truly happy ending. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 with his continuing study entitled, The Conclusion of the Matter. Sometimes life stinks. Sometimes it makes no sense. It's absurd. Everything does not go right. It's not okay. That's where he ends. But now notice as we move into the postscript, verse 9. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright words of truth. I love this. Brothers and sisters, we need to follow the map of wisdom. Follow the map of wisdom. I want to show you this really quickly because in these two verses, you actually have the map towards true wisdom. Notice, it says first, the preacher was wise, he taught the people knowledge. So this postscript saying, the person who wrote this was wise and he taught the people knowledge. So this preacher of Ecclesiastes ends up in a long line with people like Abraham, like people like Moses, people like Ezra and David. Many an Israelite prophet taught the people knowledge and wisdom. But notice first, before he spoke in verse 9, notice what he did. He pondered, he sought out, and he set in order. So the path of wisdom begins first with pondering. We need to do a careful evaluation of things. We need to think about things. I think one of the biggest problems we have in 21st century America is that we have so much information that we're better at regurgitating information than pondering it, thinking about it. It's so easy. You hear something, you throw it out there. You read a book and that's your new thing. You have to let things sit for a while. We need to evaluate. We need to soak in things. That's the first step in wisdom. You need to ponder. Notice, second, you need to seek it out. He pondered. He sought out. That means carefully going to get it. This is a big problem. Because we live in an immediate culture, nobody actually wants to do anything. 
It's like if, like, I want to grow spiritually, but I actually don't want to read my Bible. So I'm just going to grow by osmosis. You know what happens? You don't grow. You actually have to do something. And so not only should you ponder and evaluate things, but you also need to be thorough and diligent in what you're pondering. You need to go out and get it. You need to go work for it. And then not only that, and he set in order many proverbs. I like this. He arranged it as well. So not only is there pondering and not only is there a diligent seeking, but then there's, I am going to order this together. I'm going to put the pieces together so that I understand what it is. Now notice, this is all before he says anything. So before we start speaking, I remember we talked about it in the last number of weeks that all wisdom literature begins to speak about what we say because people can understand your wisdom based on what you say. Your, the content of your words says, are you wise or not? So before you speak, you want to ponder, you want to seek after, and you want to set an order. And then notice his words. Because he did those things in verse 10, he sought to find acceptable words, which also can be translated delightful words, upright words, and words of truth. So if you are willing to ponder and seek out and set in order, then your words will be delightful. Now think about that word delightful. It's an interesting, it's a very fascinating word because when you think about delightful, it has the idea of like, oh, that makes me happy, right? Because wisdom does produce happiness, doesn't it? Because you live in accordance with God's truth. So delightful, but some people's words make you happy, but they're actually not wisdom, right? I watch this with my kids. They're, you know, it's, it's funny kids. We're all kind of like it. Like, they'll be in a bad mood and they start talking potty talk and everyone starts giggling. Okay, only my kids do that. You pray for me, us. <laughs> this is an amazing thing. It's like, you know, someone's in a bad mood and someone's like poopy and all of a sudden, <laughs> and there ain't no wisdom in that, right? It's like, it's just nasty, right? But that's what they do because they're kids. And you know what? Some of us have never grown up, have we? Because the things that are delightful to us aren't much more profound than just potty talk, just more mature, or, or should be, oh, an older version of potty talk. Delightful words have a penetrating effect because words of wisdom are truly joyful and joyous. But notice, not only are they delightful, they're not only pleasing but they're also upright words. And upright, it means something that has some power to it when something is upright. It's a weightiness. And what's interesting is delightful words without them being upright have a tendency to be frivolous. And upright words without any delightfulness have a tendency to be crusty and boring. So it's almost like a balanced scale here where because he sought and because he's been diligent to bring together and he's pondered and he set it in order. Now his words are delightful and they're also upright. They're beautiful as well as truthful. And that's why it says words of truth. You realize that there are things that are true, right, in the world. I have to say this, you know, we, we live in a day and age where, you know, the overriding way people think is kind of like Pontius Pilate. 
in the Gospels where he said to Jesus, what is truth? We live in a day and age of situational truth. Well, it's my truth and your truth. No, it's either the truth or it isn't. I think it was Ravi Zacharias who said, everyone has the right to their own opinion, but nowhere does it say that everyone's opinion is right. And then, of course, everyone gets mad. because, like, well, you're saying that your opinion is right. But you got to realize anybody who holds an opinion thinks their opinion is right. That's why they hold it. So everybody has an opinion and, and everybody has a truth claim. It's just a matter, can you put your truth claim in something that doesn't sound like truth, even though that's what it is? And that's the world we live in. I have a thing, I enjoy politics, not because I actually enjoy politicians or the way politics works. I just think it's a fun game to watch. It's almost better than playing chess because it's people. And I remember watching one politician and he was like, I don't want this to be negative. And then he would, so he, he began everything, I don't want this to be negative. And then he'd say something negative, but because he encased it that he wasn't being negative, I was like, oh, he's not negative. Because <laughs> that's part of the game that people play, Right? I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, this book is truth. This book. And you need to get in this book. Now, I'm here to tell you something like, oh, I don't believe it's truth. Oh, listen. Well, instead of just saying that, you should actually test the book out. Tell me where it's wrong. And I, I do that knowing what's going to happen. Because this is someone who did the same thing to me. To like, it's, like, this is true. How do you know? How do you know it's not? I just know it's not. Prove it. Darn. Because then you know what I did? I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove it. And what happened? I met Jesus. I got saved. And, and I'm not like the only guy who tried to do that. So if you don't believe that it's truth, then prove it. You're the one saying it's not true? Then prove it. Read it. Show me where there's an error. Show me where there's a historical error. Show me where there's a theological error. You can't do it. People have been trying forever to do this. We need to follow the map of wisdom. You should ponder this book. You should seek after it. You should set it in order. And then when you speak, speak about God delightfully and uprightly with, with words of truth. The world needs people who live and love the truth. Need it. And don't just be content with verses memorized, but put legs on them. When Jesus says, love your enemies, then do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says, be holy as I'm holy, say, God, I can't do it, but I'm going to do it. When God says, I want you to be generous, then be generous. Put legs on it. When it says, the greatest of my kingdom is the servant of all, be a servant of all. Because what happens in churches, especially a church like Crossroads, where we love the word, is everyone knows the word, but no one actually wants to put any legs on it. I know Jesus is Lord, but I don't think he's very smart. So when he says, serve everybody, no. When he says, be generous, no. When he says, I want you to, to be humble, no. Everywhere along the line, we know it's true, but we don't live it. And that's why people say that Christians are hypocritical, because we know the truth, but we actually don't follow Jesus. Some of you here today, you're holding grudges and unforgiveness against people, and Jesus says things like, unless you forgive, you won't be forgiven. I'm saved. I will never forgive you for what you did to me. And that's a huge disconnect. And someone who only knows a little bit about Jesus feels that disconnect. So not only do we need to know the word, but Lord, help us to live it. Help us to take a step of faith and say, God, I don't know how I can forgive that person, but if you could forgive me, I can forgive them.
because I'm going to pay forward your forgiveness. And you say, Lord, I always tell people, they say, oh, Pastor, it must be easy for you. No, I just obey and ask God to bring my heart around. That's my daily prayer. Lord, I'm going to obey you. You need to bring my heart around. Because I don't want to love people. I don't want to be generous. I don't want to forgive. I just want to keep everything up like everyone else. You know? So, Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith. Bring my heart around. Because you know what? If you wait, if you follow your heart, you'll never love anybody and no one will ever love you. Because your heart outside of Jesus is bent on rebellion. So don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus and say, Lord, bring my heart into line with Jesus. That's the Christian life. That's why we say things like we're going to simply respond to Jesus. That's why we say that. Because we realize that if we follow our own way, we're not going to follow Jesus because we're following our own way. You cannot be a leader and a follower at the same time. Jesus is the leader. We follow him. But don't follow your heart. That's a fool's errand. Follow Jesus and say, God, line up my life with following Jesus. Line it up. Make my life loving being right on the heels of my Lord and Savior. And that's where life change happens. There. You know that you want to be in community, but you're scared of it. So take the step of faith and join a group. You know God's calling you to ministry. Because we're all called to be servants. You're like, oh, I don't want to do kids. I don't want to do youth. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You got to do something. You got yeah, but disease. <laughs> and God wants to cure that business. So get, take a step of faith. Try something. It might not work. Try something else. Pastor Jack Magruder always says, hey, man, there's no losers in the kingdom of God. I love that. Because even if you do something, it doesn't work out. You just go on to the next thing. Oh, yeah, me and kids ministry, no good. But me and youth ministry, all of a sudden, something's there. He's serving as a greeter, an usher on the prayer team. Because God says, be the servant of all. Jesus washes disciples' feet. Thank God we don't have a feet-washing ministry. Jesus said, I did this as an example. Go and do likewise. So he said it. We memorize it. Are we going to live it? Who is God? So you realize God's mission in your life is the next person you're going to meet? God's mission field is the next person you're going to see. You know it's true, but will we live it? Will we say, God, okay, I'm in. I'm game. What's it going to look like? I guarantee you, if you start living that way, God is going to blow your mind. He's going to do things you can't even fathom. That's the path of wisdom. Now look at what happens next. Verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these of making many books. There is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Brothers and sisters, learn from the shepherd. Learn from the shepherd. Notice what it says. The words of the wise are like goads. Now, a goad was a large, sharp-pointed stake used to prod an animal. So saying the words of the wise is like a goad because it stimulates us to action. Even though we're sitting back and maybe an animal who's supposed to be working is not and it gets, it gets a goad gets thrust and all of a sudden they get moving. That's what, we're, that's what God's word is supposed to do to our lives. It's supposed to stimulate us to action. And not only that, it says the words of scholars are like well-driven nails. Now you think about a nail, 
and holds something in place. So not only is God's word supposed to stimulate us to action, it's also supposed to keep us in action, keep us with a foundation that things stay where they're supposed to be. And notice what it says. That's where I get learned from the shepherd given by one shepherd. (laughs) Don't think that's by chance. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 11 and following. I am the good shepherd, he says. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. God wants you to learn from Jesus. Follow him, learn from him. He gives his life for the sheep. He's not a hireling. He lays down his life because you are his own. Learn from Jesus. You know, and it's interesting, you look at what happens in verse 12, it reminds us, be admonished by these of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Now, think about what he's saying there. He's saying, make sure you learn from the wise, make sure you learn from the scholars, learn wisdom from the shepherd, but don't miss the fact there's going to be a million things to read. And isn't that the culture we live in today? There is so much information everywhere. And if you try and consume all that information, it's wearisome. It's burdensome. Not everything you read is actually good to be read. Just because someone published it doesn't mean that it actually contains any wisdom. Because don't miss the fact that publishing is a business. And they'll put out anything if someone will buy it. And something really good that no one will buy, guess what? They won't publish. It is an industry. And so he's not saying, don't study. He's not saying, be an anti-intellectual, pretend like there's no information. No, what he is saying is that there is no end to the numbers of books that are going to be made. And if you try and read them all and study them all, you're going to get tired. How many of you have gone to school and gotten tired at school? That's right, I rest my case. I think everyone has fallen asleep at school at some point. Because it's tiring. Learning is tiring. And so the idea is, is learn, but make sure in all of your learning, you get wisdom. Make sure that no matter how much you read, you are getting more of Jesus than you are of anything else. See, we live in a day and age where you can specialize in a field and know everything about that field and not know Jesus. And even though you know a lot, you actually don't know the most important things. So in all of our learning, we need to learn from the shepherd the most. And you can be extraordinarily well-read on whatever your giftings and your passion is, but make sure that you know more about Jesus than that. So if you're a guy here and you can quote all the lines of the, of the blazers or the timbers or whoever more than you can quote scripture, then you are out of balance. You ladies, if you know everything going on in Kim Kardashian or whoever the popular person is today more than you know about the women of the Bible and Jesus, the Lord of all, then you're out of balance. If you can name who's in the proper standings of a NASCAR, but you can't tell me the names of the apostles, then you're out of balance. Because we live in a day and age where you can know everything about a subject and not know the God who created the subject, who sustains the subject. And these verses remind us we need to learn from the shepherd. We need to learn from the shepherd. Because God's word is like a goad. It gets us into action. It's like a nail. It holds us in place in the things of God. And then finally, look at what it says, verse 13. 
Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here it is. The great climax. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So this thing lands quite simply at trust and obey. That's where it lands. This is the meaning of the whole book of Ecclesiastes and, brothers and sisters, the whole Bible, that we need to trust and obey. It begins by fearing God. Now, why should we fear God? Well, because He's God. Two, because God is an ultimate authority. You can love somebody and still fear them. I always say the same thing. I love my wife and I fear breaking her heart. That's part of my love for her. I love her enough to say, I love you, I would never want to hurt you. I don't want to break your heart. Now you might say, oh, well, you can't truly love because... No, no. That's part of love is fearing breaking someone's heart. Most people are like, I want to be in a marriage with someone who doesn't, who fears breaking my heart because we've all had heartbreaks, right? So we fear God's ultimate authority. We fear because of the relationship we have, we fear breaking God's heart. And we trust that God. See, the reason we sin against God is because we don't trust Him. God says, look, I want you to have no other gods before me. And God's like, and you're like, well, look, I really feel good about myself if I get that promotion. Because we fear that God's not enough. So the reason sin happens is because we don't trust the Almighty God. The reason we make mistakes, the reason we fornicate outside of marriage, the reason we lie, cheat, and steal is we don't trust in God's provision and His intimacy. Now, I'm not judging anybody because we all do this. But I believe that Martin Luther, quoting Augustine, was right that the reason we break any commandment is because we always break the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. When we say, God, I'll only be happy if we've put another God before the true and living God. So we fear him by trusting him. Not only do we trust, but notice, fear God and keep his commandments. That's the obedience part. It's not enough to know God's word. I already said this. But you need to obey God's word. Brothers and sisters, listen. We need to obey it. Like children. We need to simply say, Lord, your word says it. I believe it. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to put legs on it. It's too easy to know God's word and separate it from the way that we live. Like when God says, I want you to love your enemies. We all have a whole, all of us do a list of enemies, right? You wouldn't have dinner with that person no matter, for all the money in the world. But Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. So we need to say, God, I know that I don't like them. I know that we have history, but God, I'm going to love them anyway because I trust you. So we trust and obey. Why? Because God's the judge. That's what it says. Notice, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. What this means is this. The reason we trust and obey is because every single thing we do, every single thing we think, we give an account for for our lives. Jesus is real. As Pastor Daniel told us today, you can't be a leader and a follower at the same time. Jesus has to be the leader. We must be submitted to Him. Only then will there be change. We were encouraged to take a step, put ourselves out there in faith, 
and to learn from the shepherd. We can waste our time looking in other places for wisdom, but knowing a lot doesn't mean you know Jesus. We want to know him the most. Thanks for listening to us on Freedom Radio Network. I wanted to wish you a very happy holidays and a very Merry Christmas. I really appreciate that you are part of the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. I always like to say that we're traveling the path together. And as 2015 comes to a close, we especially remember that Jesus is real. He really lived, he really died, and he really rose again, that you and I may partner with God to transform our community and our world. So God bless you. Now be sure and tune in next time as we begin a new study as we go through God's Word. Ecclesiastes communicated many truths about the difficulties we face in this life, but also highlighted the hope we have as believers in the one true God. We hope you've been affirmed and encouraged by Pastor Daniel's teaching through Ecclesiastes and have grown in your understanding and faith in the Father. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Jesus Is Real Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless.